Welcome back to another episode of Size Eyes, the life of a long-term multitasker. Hmm, so today, what what should we talk about? Um, I have this list of like, con- my content pipeline, which has about 80, 80 topics that I just kind of, uh, content ideas that I just kind of have. I just kind of scrolled through and I kind of picked one briefly read him like all right this is good enough oh literally it's good enough but it's uh this works so i guess the topic today um or the idea that i kind of wrote down i want to dive into a little bit more um was so i read a book last about a year ago actually my then manager um suggested it to me He, he had a physical book so he gave it to me at the office I read it. Um, it's called Good Enough. Um, I believe believe by Daniel Milo. I was actually trying to gift it to uh, to Deepak, but uh, Amazon couldn't get its stuff together and uh, lost a package, so didn't get the Christmas gift for him. Should probably get him get him the gift still, even though it's not Christmas time. Um, but anyways. Um, it was a good book. It was it was good enough. All right, enough with the jokes. But uh, um, it, it's very. It was the most dense book I've ever read. More dense than a textbook. More dense than anything. I mean, this guy's a professor, so it makes sense. I mean, I think he's a PhD doctor or something. And I think he teaches in Israel. No, okay, I'm not. I don't want to get anything wrong. So just look him up. Um, but it was a very interesting read, very interesting take and theory on, on evolution. Now I took some good notes on it. I don't have it right in front of me right now. I could pull it up, but, um, no need, but it's basically just talking about, he basically goes against Darwin's theory of evolution and survival of the fittest, right? I mean, basically, I mean, he kind of talks about there's two kind of evolutions, um, one on the, like, the macro scale, macro-macro, one's on, like, the micro, but still, like, millions of years um, scale. So I think he says that the macro one, Darwin's thing is correct. Darwin's uh, theory is correct. But for natural selection... Um, the theories he chose the outlier instead of the norm and so he provides a lot of examples goes against the examples that Darwin used himself Um, and honestly it's pretty compelling I think I'm going to ride with Daniel Milo over Charles Darwin uh, in this this instance you know I'll go with Darwin you know on the uh, the macroevolution piece of this uh, but not on the uh, survival of the fittest piece of it. Um, so I'm going with uh, Daniel Milo um, on that. But obviously I did a 30-second explanation. So if you listen to my last podcast, do not take my word for it. Read the actual book. Even if when I post the notes you know, online, don't just read them. Actu- read the actual book if you're interested. Because I can't possibly explain as well as he did. 
of all the theories and how he just kind of trashes Darwin. It was kind of, kind of like, oh damn, this guy's, this guy's, uh, he's not playing around. Um, but I mean, I wanted to give it a debug since he's a pretty big Darwin guy, pretty big Galapagos Island bird guy. So, um, wanted to see how he would react. So I'll probably still give it to him. But, um, I mean, so, I mean, like, when I was reading that, it was like, oh, so, I mean, so I guess kind of the other part of it is, is that it's not survival of the fittest. We're not competing. Well, I mean, kind of, we are like competing for resources, but like right now, humans aren't, it's not survival of the fittest. It's like, are we good enough? Are we good enough to reproduce? Like, like that's the question. Are we competent enough? Are we smart enough? Are we just, are we alive? And as a society, as a civilization, as a human civilization, for the most part, we are good enough. We're not, you know, fighting for our lives in terms of, you know, fighting lions and saber-toothed tigers and dinosaur you know well you know whatever else was there megalodons i don't know some woolly mammoths like we're not fighting those things for survival like we as a civilization are surviving and are good enough um but obviously so much of our existing knowledge and theory and the way we perceive things comes as a result of the way Darwin phrased everything, right? Obviously, he's the main textbook when it comes to evolutionary biology. Like, name me another evolutionary biologist. You can't. If you can, you're probably an evolutionary biologist yourself. So... But I think the I think the, I think the main point or like one of the points I was thinking about is like why <clears throat> why do we remember the people that were the loudest? Why do we remember Darwin the most compared to I mean he mentions other um, Milo um, references other uh, evolution biologists as well or other kind of scientists slash philosophers. Um, forgot the exact term, but you know, somewhere in that realm. And so, like, why don't we reference them? Right? Even, I mean, he didn't mention this, but I just thought, like, Edison, right? Edison versus Tesla. All right, I need to do the full research on that, but like, kind of from what I've heard, what I've briefly read, you know, Tesla was kind of the main guy, and then Edison was, uh, kind of take the credit for it um, obviously he does a lot of work himself but i think he was building on the blocks of of other people as you should um, but then the you know the credit piece of it you know that could be a little mixed up and it's kind of like a game of telephone where you know it's passed on generation to generation through the history books and it might be distorted so, I mean, do the full research. I need to do that as well, you know, regarding Edison and Tesla. But, um, you know, 
they were the loudest in their respective fields at their respective times. And history has put them in history books as such. And is that right or wrong? At the, you know, you know, that's up for debate. But you can't argue that it is a fact. Right. Um, and I was just thinking about, like, why, why do we remember pe- people who are the loudest? Um, people who... I mean, yeah, like, it. we don't necessarily think of all the people, the, the, the precursors, precursors, pre, not the successors, but the people who came before, the predecessors, um, you know, of Darwin, like the people he used to study his, you know, or the findings that other people had that he used to build his own, the research that they had, the insights that they had, how he used that to, to build his own theories, and how he used it on his own experiences to build his theories. And, he, and on a side note, he kind of, Milo kind of said that he's kind of looking, Darwin was kind of looking for his confirmation bias in a sense. If he was looking for something and he finally he found one example of it, and he made that the norm instead of what was the pattern everywhere else. Um, And, you know, if you read it, it kind of makes sense. But, you know, why do we listen to people who are the loudest? I think it comes back to, like, self, or not self, but I think we believe people who are the loudest because we think that they know the most. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but I think that's an underlying assumption that we may have that since this person is talking since this person is sharing their beliefs sharing their theories sharing their inventions sharing their ideas the most often or the most or the ones that have the most attention of people or can distribute the message to the most number of people they must be the most authoritative on that thing. And so I think it comes back to us in terms of are we seeking out people? Are we seeking out content? Are we seeking out perspectives that are different from, let's say, the mainstream, from what everyone else is hearing? Right? Like, why do we gravitate to CNN or Fox News for, or, you know, MSNBC for, for politics? You know, they're the loudest. They have the biggest reach, the biggest, most money, most impact, etc. And, you know, they've reached that status. But what does that mean for us? That, that doesn't mean we have to look to them for uh, and accept everything that they say as truth right and so yeah i mean i think there's i mean a lot of different different paths here but um i mean it comes back to confidence of people believing the loudest person um and honestly, so 
wrote down this quote from MLK. It's tangential, but I think kind of related. Um, he said, and this is more in the context of like justice and um, civil rights and stuff, but it said, he said, those who love peace must learn to organize as effectively as those who love war. I forgot where I heard that, but I was like, damn. That's true. Like, I think. I think people can... You know, have, have whatever intentions they have. Um, but are the people who are the quiet ones in the room... Are, what are they doing to make their voices heard? They don't have to be the loudest, but, you know, like, I think that's kind, kind of what appealed uh, up to voters for Trump, right? One of his things was, you know, forgotten man, forgotten woman, right? It's like the silent majority. It's like people who, whose voices haven't been heard. And he, they felt like he was espoused that, that he could do things that would make their voices heard. And whether he did or not was, was a different question, but the fact that they believed that, you can't deny that. And so, like, I think we just have to be more aware of those assumptions, our underlying beliefs of... Who are we listening to? Are we listening to them because they just have the most reach, most attention in the moment? Or is is that the truth? Do we how much do we dig deeper for kind of the, the middle ground? If one side is saying one thing, one side is saying another. I mean the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Right? Um, but yeah, I'm just looking at this MLK quote. Man, that's pretty powerful. Like, and I think you can like substitute peace. I'm not, not trying to put words in MLK's mouth here, but I think he'd be okay if, uh, you know, you know, substitute peace for truth or, you know, something for justice or something like that, right? Those who love the environment, let's say must learn to organize as effectively as those who um, want to use all the resources from Earth. I don't know. There. I've created my own MLK quote. Um, probably going to get sued for that somehow. But, you know, I think... Having that perspective of... Uh, Are we, are we making a conscious effort? Are we making a conscious effort to listen to other folks, to, to viewpoints that differ from ourselves, to, to seek out on social media people who don't, people to follow who don't necessarily believe in our ideological beliefs. I can do a better job of that. 
you know, we're in an echo chamber. And so I think it's good to have these differing point of views so that we can make our own decision. You know, we've been fed from a young age that Darwin, about Darwin's theory, and everyone just kind of believed it, for better or for worse. But is it really true? I like. I read both sides of it. You know, I, you know, growing up, kind of read Darwin's side. And then obviously last year I read. You know Milo's side, and I made my own decision. But how? But how? How much are we doing that on a daily basis? Who are the friends that we talk to that can provide a different perspective? And so I think that's something that I want to take away. Like, I need people in my life who can, who provide value in terms of thinking differently. And not just, not just, not in the same way that I think differently. Right? People who actually think differently from me. Because that'll pro provide more value than people who are who have the same or similar views as me on whatever topic. So, um, so essentially what I'm saying is question everything. Question everything, surround yourself with people who have different views. And ask yourself, are you listening to someone or watching something that is because of how loud they are, because of how ubiquitous it is, or because you want to understand the underlying principle, understand some element of truth. Yeah, I think that's the question you can walk away with. Ponder on that. I think I will too. So yeah, good 18-minute podcast here. Call it a day. Um, if you have any suggestions for more topics, let me know. Kind of rambling on here at this point. But thanks for listening to another episode of Size Eyes, The Life of a Long-Term Multitasker. I'll see you when I see you.